and welcome back to the FPL Roundtable Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries. And I'm his loyal sidekick, Rod Langevin. <laughs> uh, I, I'd like to think of you as a co-superhero, if I'm honest. Um, today and, my res- and my response to that is... Ah, cheers, bro. Um, so yeah, we know you probably weren't expecting a show this week as it's the international break. But there's pressing Payette news. There's news coming from the whole Snaft Blings incident where New York is trying to get it uh, considered gambling and therefore illegal. So that's a whole thing. We're going to talk a little bit about price changes and if you should be making moves over the international break. So we're just going to jump right into it. Uh, West Ham and FPL fans alike were absolutely devastated to hear of the injury that happened uh, for Dimitri Payet, who uh, looks like he will be out until about February. Uh, and, you know, this puts us very quickly into a, a scenario where people are having to weigh whether or not they should sell now to recoup that money, or if they should wait, you know, as many people advise, to wait till the end of the transfer, end of the transfer deadline, Jesus, this is off to a great start, <laughs> wait until the end of the international break to pick up players. Uh, what, what would you tell the folks at home that they should probably be trying to do to replace who was obviously... Uh, a great fantasy player in Dimitri Payet. Well, I mean, you're not really losing anything by waiting, and I'm telling everybody out there in fantasy land to wait. You're you're not really losing anything. You probably have bought into Payet at such a price point that it's already gained money. So you're not actually going to be losing money from your 100.0 total, you know? Yeah, yeah, you lose the, you know, everybody likes their roster to be at the 103, 104 million, but you're really not losing anything because the person you're going to bring in is going to have to have the same price point or below what you're dropping pay at. at. So it, irregardless of what goes on, you're still going to have the money to transfer in somebody lesser than this, the seven dot whatever pay at is. So the best advice I can give you is to just chill. Everybody chill. Everybody enjoy the games this weekend. They start Friday, Ireland, Bosnia, Herzegovina, and then Saturday flows into a nice realm of games. Just chill. Watch some footy. Don't go crazy and bring in two, three people and take in a minus before any of the injuries happen. But I know the piehead injury sucks for everybody. You know, he's, he's still owned in 31% as of right now as I'm looking at the official .com site. So there's no reason to panic because there's 30% of you. That's over 1 million players in the same boat as you. So, Kev, just relax. Frankie says relax. <laughs> but I'm freaking out, man. This, I, You know, I went on record early on. I thought he was the easiest owned through December with them only in the one competition, obviously the Premier League. And this, this is really annoying. It's And it's always uh, difficult losing basically a stalwart of your fantasy side. Or you don't even have to look at his name. It was like, I know he's there. I know he's getting me points. I'm not going to worry about it. So you do lose that comfort level. Are there any players that you're kind of looking at, either in a similar price point or a little bit more or less, that could come in and kind of deputize? Yeah, you know, I mean, the lateral move from a Payet is is probably one of three players. Hmm. Um, it's actually multi. It's probably more than three because you could probably get risky and, you know, Payet could be... Pike could shift to being your fifth midfielder, and you could probably gamble and use someone who isn't as is widely owned. So there might be other options, but the top three for me would be if you don't know if you don't own Philippe Coutinho, I think that's the the most common lateral move to me is to go from Payet to Coutinho. Uh, his price point is in the in the point five plus or minus. Uh, Coutinho is playing well right now. He's actually scoring goals. Liverpool's got some interesting fixtures coming up. Uh, but once again, you're going to want to see what he does on the international break. Make sure he doesn't get injured and relax. But once again, always relax. <laughs> the second guy who I think is the, the, the you know, most common that I've noticed so far in transfers direct for Payet in the research that I've done is probably Mesut Ozil. Mm. Teams that teams that haven't owned Mesut Ozil are now transferring their their payet shares into the the Ozil fund. Uh, price point is similar. Out the output is very similar. 
you know, goals and assists still count for points, people. Uh, over the last three weeks, I went back three weeks, Ozil has been transferred in 350,000 times. Wow. In the last three days, he's on pace to break 500,000 ads in the in the total of three weeks by Sunday of this week. That's I can't insane. Make, I can't make this stuff up. He's, he's basically going to be transferred in another 150,000 By the times. way, I do think you could make it up. I think you're creative enough. I don't think you are, but don't discredit yourself, man. I bet no, if you I, wanted to, you could have made that up. I totally can, but I have an honest face, and, and the baby blues, they never lie. I'm not going <laughs> to tell a lie, but yeah. So those, I am not a crook. That, yeah. that was a really random reference. Yeah, anyway, totally. yeah. All right. So, so those two guys are the main transfer guys that I would probably – look to do if if you're looking to get out of the, the pay at umbrella the the third guy is a guy that i've been pumping for multiple weeks here and if people listen to me they'd probably be awesome right now because they'd be like me but <laughs> De- jerry de la Feu still does it anybody saw the pass to lukaku down the middle was which like was the same as the week before <laughs> he's doing what he's done everywhere and he's doing it with Everton now with an informed striker. So if you own a Lukaku and you're looking for a midfielder to take the the, the void that Payet's leaving, Delafeu is the cheaper option, lesser owned option to fill those points. He's not going to give you the the goal scoring or the set pieces that Payet would probably do with West Ham. But he's still going to – he's loading up assists. He's got six assists in the last six games. Six assists, people. That's yeah. six assists in six games. And and the one off of Kieran Gibbs was just tremendous. Much as I hated it, obviously, to my chagrin in the North London Derby, that ball was just incredible. Yeah. I mean, anybody who's watching any any kind of decent football – and I basically watch every game, and as, as should everybody else. But he's playing that, that wide, recessed role – to a T right now for Everton. Everton still has three or four very kind fixtures when they get out of break. Uh, but once again, don't do anything until you see that he doesn't come back injured. Don't do anything until this time next week. So tune in next week. Listen to this podcast twice. Listen to it right now. <laughs> and then next week, replay it backwards, and we're going to tell you where we hit all the bodies. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, a name I, I was surprised, you know, because this wasn't super well structured. So you already had a couple of the names on my list. Jerry D is obviously your boy um, and is, is definitely worth a, a pickup. But Dusan Tadic has been bawling lately. Um, and I know a lot of people were kind of burned by him last year, especially in draft format after the first half he had and then kind of struggled. Uh, but he has absolutely picked up where he left off in the first half of last season. Fourth in chances created, third among available players because, you know, Payet is out until February uh, and leads the league in successful crosses. And, you know, typically, you know, we've talked many times about how reliant he is on Mane, but Mane isn't really the one creating for Pella this year. It's mostly been Tadic. And uh, so, yeah, Tadic gets to send in delightful balls. He's drifting out to the left and he's sending in these balls off of Pella's forehead, which is the biggest dome since Filippo Brunelleschi. Yeah, what you what you know about them Renaissance construction references, um, but yeah, so Tadic has been absolutely incredible. I think he's definitely worth a look, um, if not a full purchase. I think seven point one is is a very good price point to bring him in. Um, I I have a question for you as a Chelsea's man, which is so William had a really good run of form about three or four weeks. Then he's he's still performed well, but hasn't been racking up the points the last couple of weeks. Are you buying in on this? Is 6.9 acceptable? How, how do you think William will kind of do from here on out? Um, yeah, you you can't roster anybody on on the Chelsea side until probably never. I, I'm honestly being honest. The, the ship does not look writable right now. The, the only time that I could see maybe adding a Chelsea player for a good stretch run is maybe like week 16, maybe 17, somewhere in somewhere in there. They get they get. With they a new less, manager, yeah, possibly, completely, completely possible. Uh, those three, that that little stretch, basically, when December starts, look at look at Chelsea players when December starts. They're they're they may have a new manager. I don't think it'll happen, but they may. Um, 
the their fixtures are better. They they have Bournemouth, Leicester, Sunderland, Watford. That's their December basically. So if you're looking to add a Chelsea player and they're not widely owned anywhere, uh, I think that the highest owned player on Chelsea right now is Aspulaqua. Is Hazard still still at sixteen point three, which is a travesty mm. of justice. Those teams are probably dead. Yeah. Um. But yeah, there's all if there's if you're gonna own anybody from the Chelsea Chelsea side, I'd probably say it'd probably be Aspulaqueta only because you probably bought into him and everybody likes to roster different defenders. Defender is probably one of the biggest mixed bags of ownership across the dot com universe. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not I'm not buying into any attacking front seven player for Chelsea at all, just in, at least for another two, three weeks. Yeah. And then I would probably revisit it, see see how the team is playing, which is probably going to be exactly the same. Maybe they might get a win and a draw, but it's not really going to affect anything that, that much because they're not playing great, great enough ball and they're not scoring enough goals to actually be fantasy relevant. Yeah, and then the, the other name that I'm kind of looking at a little bit, I probably wouldn't personally do this, uh, Ross Barkley, or as uh, the editor of the e- uh, EPL Roundtable, Seifu calls him, Boss Barkley, uh, which I think is a much better name. Uh, it's crazy to think how successful Everton have been. You already mentioned Lukaku on form, Jerry D putting in some excellent work. Aruna Kone had that one game where he absolutely blew up. But Barkley has actually been struggling a lot lately. He's registered three points or less in eight out of 12 matches this season. And I realize that if you're playing the standard game, all those points are coming to you at the end of the season, so you're not really worried about it. But if you're in some kind of like weekly league or head-to-head format, those weeks are killing you right now. Uh, and you know, I he's one of those players that maybe he just doesn't translate because on the pitch he continues to impress. And then you look at your fantasy team, you're like, what? Where? where why aren't there any points? And there just aren't any points. And I realize he gets. I don't know. I've never really rated his vision deep into the opponent territory. Like once he gets around the box, it seems like his touch and uh, vision kind of tank a little bit, which is kind of strange. But yeah, 6.8, another person that you could make a pretty easy move to. But I'm just not feeling Barkley at the moment. Yeah, I, I would steer away from Barkley. The ownership there is probably not in your favor. Yeah, well beyond what it should be. Even though the guys I've I've said that you should transfer in the Cortinos are he's at sixteen point four and the Ozil with the huge spike in the last three weeks is is now up to twenty two point two percent and he's the yeah, top Barclay five twenty one point two yeah he's right below him at twenty one point two um yeah I'm I mean there's no there's no terrific answer here because everything's a crapshoot transferring from a, a like you said a fantasy stalwart and a guy you know basically set it and forget it. To, to go to a, another option that you're, you know, you're just starting to get into your, your comfortable roster form right now. And you have guys that you rotate well. And now, now you have to take a guy that you don't even have to worry about rotating and replace him with a guy that you're not so familiar with and just getting the feel for roster wise. And it's a tough, it's a tough situation. I mean, I'm a Payet owner. You're a Payet owner. We've owned Payet for probably about Quite the same time. amount of time. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're duly vested into him. Uh, so replacing him, is it is it is it a big loss? Yeah, but it, it's not something like oh well, there goes my season. Like it, it's not like if you lose Le'Veon Bell in fantasy football. Oh or, god, you know, oh, flashbacks. You know, I mean, it, he there's there's options to either move laterally or to move uh up above because you know everybody's still probably sitting on a ton of Aguero money. And I would like to get into an Aguero conversation as well because there's yeah. conversation that he's actually going to come back for week 13. Yeah. Um, because Wilfred Boney is down. He's ramping up his training. Um, I, you know what? People sitting on, on, uh, on the Payette money, this is, this is my question to you, Kev. Mm. If you make Payette say – say you have a midfield of – I'm going to use mine, for, for instance, because my midfield is pretty pretty okay. Yeah, and I again, think, if you're waiting to hear what we've done with our teams, just don't stay till the end because we're probably yeah. going to both address it now. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll address it beforehand. <laughs> uh, my midfield, for example, is Coutinho, Sanchez, Payette, Mares, Wijnaldum. Mm. Okay? Now, who's to say that I can't just shift my money – from a Payet 
into a into a lower fifth midfielder that I'm really not going to roster too much mm. to bring in an Aguero now when I have money in the bank at six point four yeah. plus the plus the Payet money that would bring me enough you know to basically bring me to the Aguero level. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's an interesting situation for me to have, but uh, you know, I'd be interested to see what other people have, but. You know, it's not a bad decision because I could buy in a little bit early on Aguero, hopefully that he pays, he plays on week 13, knowing that I have the money uh, and replace him and put him in, up in my top three forwards. And then I'll have to worry about a fifth midfielder because he's going to, I'm going to play my three forwards if Aguero's playing with right. a, with a Galu and a, and a Vardy. So would you go for a price dump or like one of the low, low risk, high reward kind of guys like Johnny Housen, who, you know, I touted a couple weeks ago, got the goal at the weekend. One of those like four dot something midfielders. Is that what you'd be looking for in that fifth midfielder? Well, I wouldn't have to. I wouldn't have to go. I wouldn't have to go too cheap because I, I could get rid of Payet, and then I have to get rid of. I'd probably get rid of Pella at eight three up top. I could bring in Aguero. So you, need, so you just need three bucks, right? Or three pounds or three yeah. dot of price. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could bring in Aguero at thir- He's at thirteen, and I still have. A, I still have nine five to spend at the midfield. I also have two free transfers, so it's kind of tough for me to yeah. tell people that, it, oh, go ahead and do this because it's so easy. But I, I banked my, my transfers on purpose just for this week. And and the funny thing about last week's roster is I was torn between who to sit in the midfield because I like the I like when all of them start the, the early game. Uh, I thought he was going to do something. He yeah, did okay. He got, the, he got the assist. Um, so I was torn, and I was like, Coutinho, he's in good form. Sanchez, you know, it's a derby. He might do well. Mares, you can't really sit if, if you own him. So, you know what? I, I actually sat Dimitri Payet, and I think me sitting him got him injured. So I'm sorry, everybody out there. That what I were you the, thinking? I had the foresight to be like, you know what? You know what? You're going to get hurt. You're going to get off in the 50th minute, so whatever. Get and, off my roster. And nobody likes McCarthy anymore. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that that kind of nicely segues us to a, a forward conversation I want to have that will technically be under the subheading of price changes as we move on to that, which is Harry Kane. Obviously, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, everybody was looking at this run of matches and they're like, oh no, now Tottenham were playing tough teams and now he's not going to score. Then I brought up that Harry Kane had scored five goals last season combined in matches against Arsenal, West Ham, and Chelsea, which Arsenal match just happened. Now West Ham and Chelsea upcoming. Uh, and Kane, again, scored in the derby with an excellent finish. It looks like the confidence is back. So we already talked about Aguero. Okay, before we talk more about strikers, Vardy and Agallo have to be two of your strikers. End of. When I, we're I talking mean, about strikers, we're talking about who your third is. It, it, but it all depends on how you allocate your funds to the midfielder. People could be still rostering a 5.0 midfielder. And that would give them the luxury to have a Lukaku and a Vardy instead of an Agalu. That would give them that extra two point five. You know, yeah, but Agalu has more points. <laughs> oh, I I know, but Lukaku is an in, informed guy, and yeah. some people don't like to trust strikers on bad teams. Yeah, that's fair. Although last season, you know, we obviously saw a lot of success from recently oh, promoted I, teams. But yeah, yeah no, I, I understand where you're coming from with that. But for me. And my individual team, again, <laughs> the spoilers, uh, Vardy and Nicolo, obviously a big part of it. So I, I've had Aguero this whole time while his price has plummeted because I always had more pressing needs with injuries in other places. So my question to you is, has Kane done enough to get you to consider him back in that elite group? Because to be fair, most of that elite group coming into the season are either hurt or awful with yeah. Aguero and Costa and Rooney and Benteke. So, okay, okay. so instead of just a vague question of do you think Kane's back, how about we do a little bit of your game and we do a little bit of comparison head-to-head rest of season stuff? Okay. Uh, Kane or Pella rest of season? Kane. Kane or Giroud? Kane. Kane or Lukaku? Lukaku. Ooh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, I, I definitely think Lukaku is going to do well, and he suffers from not being English. I think the hype, obviously, around Kane a lot stronger uh, both on six goals, if memory serves. Um, but yeah, I, that's that's kind of the place where we're talking about Kane now. So would you be comfortable with the trio of Kane, Vardy, and Nicolo for rest of season bar injury? Uh, absolutely, because you'd be going... I tried this last year in, in my one league. Uh, everybody 
rostered uh, Aguero, mm. and I went the like the last six weeks of the season, I went sans Aguero, and I tried to invest it in other players. It, it failed in my favor because Aguero had a great end of the end of the season, and I got buried. Um, but he that's the contrarian approach to rostering the 13.0 monster of Kun Aguero. Um, it's basically volume over price. It's basically what it is. I mean, it's basically yeah. like shopping at Costco or going to the local butcher. Um, I, I mean, I'm not against it. And like I said, I tried, I tried to do something similar last year and, you know, Kane, Kane for me right now is only going to go up from where he is. Yeah. He, he started the season at nine, five. He's currently nine, four. The, the regression has happened. Now, the time to grab him is probably right now. Yeah. If you're if you're rostering a guy that you're probably not going to play very often, if you have a stout midfielder, fifth midfielder, but now that situation has changed because Payet is, is coming into the equation for 30% of owners. So do they take that money, go the contrarian approach, and roster Harry Kane while he's on a good up to upswing? Like you said with the fixtures, he scored against West Ham and he scored against Chelsea. Those are two upcoming fixtures. Correct? That's what you said? Yeah, yeah. You know, and then he's got West Brom, Newcastle after that. So, I mean, that that good that stretch of games there is is reason enough for me to say that if if someone that you're trying to gain on uh, either makes the – either has Lukaku and doesn't have Harry Kane, Harry Kane is the perfect opposite move to roster if someone in your league that you're trying to catch owns Romelu Lukaku. Mm. The the this the outcome is going to be similar, but it probably favors Kane for this this stretch of games, and then Lukaku, get, you know, will probably catch him in the next next four, and then it'll go back and forth like a you know banter system. But you know what? Now that you're saying it, and I'm looking at Harry Kane more, you're convincing me more and more that Harry right? Kane needs yeah. Harry Kane needs to be rostered. Because even after I get past the four fixtures that I said, the West Ham, Chelsea, West Brom, Newcastle, he faces a very tough Southampton team who's defensively right now. And, and a side note, if, if anybody wants to bring in a defender right now, Van Dyke. If, you're, if, if you're not bringing in a Bertrand or a Van Dyke, yeah. you're, doing, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, Southampton is going to, for my money, Southampton is going to end the season as a top three defensive team. They're outside the top seven right now. And they're going to end the season as a top three. You yeah, need, so you, you always need... talk about price differential. This is point differential. It Absolutely. looks like they're worse than they are, and they will make up all of that ground, which means you're basically getting 1.5 to 2 for every point they're getting to reach that a point. Absolutely. You know, and then, like I said, so after Harry Kane's fixtures, West Ham, Chelsea, uh, West Ham, Chelsea, West Brom, Newcastle. Those are the four. Then they get Southampton at, at Southampton. Which is tough, yeah. Yeah, totally. Then they then they then they're home to Norwich. They're at Watford. That's two more. You're already you're at the you're in the New Year. You're at New Year's already. That's mm. New Year's. And then they play Everton. Everton Leicester Sunderland is not yeah. a concerning period of matches. And then and then after that it gets even better. Crystal Palace at home. That's not really a game that I don't think the Crystal Palace will keep clean. Mm. Norwich Watford. Yeah, I mean, I mean Watford have been impressive defensively. But they're starting to show cracks, and I think the longer the season goes, the more you'll see them regress to the mean. I do think that when it comes to the end of the season, we'll see a lot of cool stats about Watford, who I do expect to stay up. Because I would not be stunned at all if they end up with a top 10, top 12 defense in their first year up, which would be a significant feat. Yeah, absolutely. I can see Watford making a good splash move in the January transfer window and bringing in like a productive midfielder. Yeah. Yeah, I, I this Kapu Beframi duo, I I just expected it to be a lot better. Kapu is holding up his end of the deal defensively, uh, but yeah, Beframi, I, I was I was pretty convinced that he was going to do some stuff. I know I rated him higher than most at the summit um, yeah. when we were talking about players that were being promoted that we thought would be good, but yeah, it just really hasn't done it. They have useful guys, but not fantasy useful. You know, yeah. the, the, the Abdi's are great players in real life. Yeah, Cathcart in, as well, yeah. You know, just... Also, that, while we're talking about Watford, as a Tottenham supporter, watch out for Gomez. I know a lot of people liked him as a cheap keeper option, and he's, I think he's top 10 at the moment. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he must be. There's only yeah. like 10 yeah. healthy keepers. Yeah, um, yeah. But 
he made two very blunderous errors which is what basically ended his Tottenham career, was he couldn't regain that confidence. Mm -hmm. So if you own him right now, watch this next couple of weeks. And if he makes another error like that, I would bail as fast as possible. Um, But yeah, no, I I totally agree with you on the Watford points. And another Tottenham to Watford rumor uh, is that Emmanuel Adebayor's agent has talked to Watford. Um, Yes! Yes! (laughs) So that would be... That would be an adventure. Um, so anyway, just a little bit of little bit of ITK for it. <laughs> Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic Autobotulinum Toxin A is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. But, uh, yeah, I, the guy on Watford that, that I've been keeping an, uh, an eye on in other formats, not, not just a .com uh, site, is a is a Chelsea transfer guy, Nathan Ake. He's been playing very well there. Yeah. He's getting some good. He's getting a good run in. So keep an eye on Nathan Ake if you're looking for a cheap fifth or fourth or fifth defender. Yeah. Oh, and while we're doing uh, Tottenham stuff, Andros Townsend has had a falling out with uh, Pochettino. He has apologized, so we'll see what happens. But he could be moving in January, and if he moved to a lower side, maybe a player of interest. Although the end product obviously has not been there but another player that could be on the move and might become at least more fantasy-relevant than they are now. You, you just had it. You couldn't go a whole show without just dropping a tip of Spurs knowledge. In I couldn't. I couldn't. You could, you're, like the, you're like the stuttering kid who loves S's. <laughs> but the S's for Spurs. Um, yeah, so other price changes. Uh, Harry Kane, we just mentioned, went up. Dusan Tadic up to 7-1. Already talked about him. Love him right now. Um, players that are going down right now. And I'm sure everybody that listens to this is freaking tired of me talking about how I can't own Arsenal players. But Bellerin dropping to 5-9 is a very interesting uh, thing because we're assuming that he'll be back from injury soon. He's averaging five points a game in his first full season, which is terrific for a defender. He has the pace to get forward, deliver dangerous balls. He's tied ninth in chances created among defenders. And he's part of what is easily a top five defense rest of season, arguably top three, and super, super arguably could be the best come the end of the season. And he has pretty much guaranteed playing time when he gets back. Uh, we talked on the EPL roundtable about how Debussy had a very good match, but I think that largely came down to Erickson being somewhat ineffective in that match. I think it made him look a little bit better than he was, so I don't think Bellerin has an issue getting back on that side when he's fit. At 5'9", is that a player you're interested in? Absolutely. For a, for a front-running team like Arsenal right now, who are going to be out of m- most competitions very shortly, their, their defense is somewhere... <laughs> <I> Love that. <laughs> they're, they're, very de- they're a defense that I would definitely look to invest in if you're looking for that you know, second or third you know, high-price point defender you know, to, to fit in there. His 5.9 is a, is a perfect second defender that you'd probably... Because inv- everybody's first defender... If anybody is- still has Darmian... Switch to Bellerin, just please. Yeah, that's a that's a great that's a great point. But everybody everybody's defense is basically this: their number one defender is a guy they hit on cheaply at the beginning of the year, and it's probably probably Colorado, uh, Colorado, yeah, or or Smalling. They bought in early yeah. on Smalling, uh, and th- now their second defender is probably a high priced guy who probably is eh and not too great. You know, maybe maybe like a Kashelny, somebody or like Fine. This, yeah, a, yeah, Skirtle. Somebody in that somebody in that realm, you know, a guy who was a, a, a fantasy guy that you, you rostered previously, and you know thought thought because he plays every game you'll get return. But Bellerin's that perfect oh, guy. Also, uh, while we're constantly talking about Tottenham, we not just me. 
um, Dyer has been pretty disappointing lately because while Tottenham keep being very stingy defensively, they keep letting one goal in, which is just ruining your Dyer points. It only takes one to ruin a fucking party. Yeah. And there's me. There's me again dropping f bombs. That's <laughs> two know, podcasts man. in a row. I apologize to everybody at home. Man, we might have to start putting the not safe for work tag on this or something. Um, while we're talking about defenders, I have to give you props because in the Palace defense, I'm a Joel Ward guy. You're a Scott Dan guy. Three clean sheets out of six. Scott Dan making a name for himself. Scored the winner against Liverpool. If you'd like to take some time to brag about that while Joel Ward was sent on the bench, feel free. Uh, you know, Joel Ward's time's going to come. Martin Kelly's not He's not there forever. He's not gonna, He's not a forever kind of player there. Yeah. Uh, Joel, I don't think Joel, I think they're waiting for Joel Ward to be absolutely 100 percent to to be fit until he gets back in that unit. But when he gets in, that that unit is very very. Once they gel together, that, that could be a very good fantasy sleeper wise, depending yeah, on who they have. Defense really because Suarez we both like so. Absolutely, I love Papa Suarez. Yeah. Uh, Not a huge fan of Delaney or Hangeland, but they both offer their own individual things and. Yeah. yeah. But collectively, they're a good bunch. Yeah, so, for sure. But they're good sleepers. But yeah, Scott Dan is 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 showing why he's got a double, an extra N in his last name, and that means nasty. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I really do. Uh, but yeah, so Dan's obviously a very interesting player. Uh, people that are also trending down, and this this was I mentioned a little bit earlier with the tatted stuff. If you're willing to drop in price. Redmond has been predictably unpredictable, if that makes sense. Wherein you don't go into a week expecting points from Nathan Redmond, but you might get them and then be excited about it afterwards. He's now fallen to 5-5. You think that feels about right? Obviously a high upside, high risk kind of play. Fifth midfielder, fourth midfielder, how do you feel about him at 5-5? I I just... It's too much of a roller coaster with the Norwich midfielders, you know. Houlihan, yeah, Houlihan I know we got so excited. I still love Johnny Housen, but you know, Houlihan had a good stretch of games. They got uh, dropped like, for no and reason, then, and, then he, and then he doesn't play. <laughs> and then same thing with Redmond. He he was playing well, and everybody fantasy rostered him. And then he didn't play for like a. It's game all of break. them. It happened to Embokani. It happened to Russell Martin. I just don't. I don't get what's going on. I don't. I, I mean, does Norwich just not want to win? Is that maybe? I'll be honest. I don't catch a lot of Norwich games because they're usually in that 10 a.m. slate here in the East Coast, um, where you have like four or five matches. Yeah, and they, <laughs> they're not that high up on my list. But I yeah, I genuinely don't know what's happening. So if anybody knows, let us know because it I, is frustrating as hell. You know what it is? I just figured it out. They mm. they figured, oh, we're ahead of Chelsea by one point. The season's over. We might as <laughs> well quit. We might as well quit right now. Yep. Obviously, would have taken that day one. Yeah. <laughs> just so I put one point up on Chelsea. Would've, yeah. Would have taken that bid. But yeah, you know what? The other guys that I'm, I was looking at for for price down wise. One of the guys you mentioned before, and we've, we've talked about Chelsea players at, at nauseum, especially not owning them, but Diego Costa is not a professional football player right now. I mean, he's looked so awful. Last week, I almost bought back in. I did. In my article, I talked about you know how his statistics in shots on target and everything are at career lows, and that at he, some point it's going to neutralize. But it doesn't look like it's going to neutralize. It was one of those things where like, the stats get in my head instead of my eyes. He looks that match. It's just awful. He looks like he's more interested in picking a fight than dribbling a ball. Absolutely. He, he's garbage, and he shouldn't be near anybody's team at all. I don't even know his percentage ownership rate, and I don't care. Because it's probably, if it's less – you know what? I'm going to guess. Let's guess right now. Let's not cheat and see what it is. Uh, I'm going to guess it's 7%. Ooh, I'm going to guess that there are more dead teams than you're expecting and say around 10. Let's see. Yeah, 6.3. 6.3. Wow. All right. Well done. Well done, people. Nice. Way to go. You're paying attention. That's nicely done. Oh, by the way, I uh, found a very reliable way to find out how many dead teams there are. Uh, 3.4% owned Jordan Henderson. <laughs> so There you go. So, yeah, 3.4% of teams. That's the number <laughs> that are already dead. 3.4% <laughs> teams of 3.6 million. That's 90,000. That's insane. So you're already making up ground. Yep. That's awesome. <laughs> We're so, somewhere in that vicinity. Not, not uh, to put you on the spot, but do you have any uh, updates on that crazy tight gap between the thousands of owners? Probably. Oh, no, you know what? I haven't. Yeah. That's fine. But it's. I'm sure it's even closer now. 
because last week most people had an off week. A lot yeah, of big names didn't really. The, and the first place team, he didn't have a, a great a great week. He he basically was right on average of the points. I think the average for the yeah. week was four in the forties. So a yeah. lot of teams scored in the fifties and sixties, but that's basically as high as it went. You know, nothing nothing. This wasn't a good week. There weren't tons of goals. It, it, no. Yeah. And there weren't tons of clean sheets either. It was just nope. pretty awful. There, oh, there wow. Was, there was I, nothing, <laughs> I just saw nothing. my team and it was real bad. Yeah. Yeah, there was, no, there was no goals from guys that were owned on multiple, like, nobody owned guys who scored multiple on their team. You know, like, nobody owned, like, three goal scorers. Everybody owned, like, one. Yeah. So, we'll, we'll break it down here for you. Vardy with nine. Igalo with two. Toure with three. Mares with two. Winyoldum with six. Unlike you, I did not drop Pyatt. I still had him captain <laughs> for two because he only you're, got one. You're missing out on my genius. I really am. Andre Au with two. Kolarov with seven. Craig Dawson with zero. Joel Ward with zero because I didn't know he wasn't going to start in time before a roster is locked because he's, everyone said he was fit. And uh, my hill with one. So that comes to a grand total of 34 points, a solid 11 below the average, and a solid, what is that, 66, 74 points below the highest score for the week. Anyway, don't feel bad. (laughs) That's really the moral of this story, because that is absolutely shocking. Do you have any other uh, price changes worth mentioning? Oh, just on a side note, don't always look at the highest point point score because if you'll you just feel up, bad because that's something crazy every time. Well, no, it's not even only that, but I looked at it this week, and this is the only week he made this team made a team, so he rostered a team of winners. Is basically what happened. Yeah, he didn't. He just start. He started this week. He didn't like have like a continuous team. So mm. is what oh, I'm so he didn't have to like make all the moves and everything. Like yeah, that. absolutely. He brought in a team that that did well. Holy crap. Days. Vardy, Kane, Wingildum, Utzel, Captain, Mares, Arnautovic, all with nine. That's a, that's a good pick. I know he's your boy as well. Yeah. Smalling, Rojo, Odomendi, Company, De Gea. That's yeah, all. He, he Butland on the bench with ten. Van Dyke on the bench with eight. That's nasty. Why can't we all start midseason? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> but that's that's the things that people do when they just start like week twelve. They pick an arbitrary week and be like, "Yo, oh, I'm starting week 12. Yeah. But uh, finally bullied him enough. He doesn't even have his kit designed. Yeah. White on white on white. That's that's a poor showing. Um why why? Come on, dude. Yeah, I'm white on Oh, he had his white. he had his bench boost played. Yeah, exactly. With Butland Van Dyke Sterling and a guy. Get the F out of here. Wow, I just barely caught that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm the only one who can curse here. That's awful. Wow. But, yeah, that's that's just cheating. I don't I I you know what? I'm gonna pull a Mourinho here and say I do not accept that result. No, call the FA. <laughs> Ring him up. Wenger was right about him. Yeah, completely. <laughs> uh, yeah, but the only other guy, the only just two other guys that, that went down in price that I would even, you know, remotely even talk about from fantasy relevance. One's Diego Silva. He's he's below the 10 dot, 10.0 Wait, price Davidson? tag now. David Silva, what did I say? Dave, Diego Dave? Silva. You got yeah. stuck on Diego Costa in your brain. Yeah, totally. David Silva, below the 10.0 price point. For the first time in like... bonkers. You know he's still second in the league in assists and has yeah. been out for a month? Yeah, he's played like 300 less minutes. It's crazy. It's, yeah. And the other guy is, is Yannick Velasi. I know he's a, a fantasy roller coaster wrapped in a Himalayan... Enigma or something? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> any one of those bee's knees, the cat's pajamas, any one of those grandma cliches you want to talk <laughs> about. But at 6.1... You know, it's starting to it, get tempting. It's starting to get tempting. And if Crystal Palace figures stuff out for three or four games in a row. They have the talent to be a top eight squad. Easy. Oh, totally. And, you know, I I, I like Alan Pardew. I think he's a, dec- he's a decent enough manager. He's kind of wonky and, and crazy in his own mind. But they have enough talent to, to put a stretch together where they can just completely dominate for three to four games against anybody, depending on – if they get their stuff together, you know, he, it's like Balassi and Zaha, like have like a mojo bag. And one guy says, you know what? I'm going to have the mojo bag. This <laughs> yeah. No, like... I want the mojo bag. But, 
at six dot one, it's not an awful investment, especially if you're going with a three striker approach. Especially in a season long game, because you know you're going to accrue those points at some time. Absolutely. But again, would be awful in a weekly format. Yeah, totally. He's not believable anywhere. Um, yeah. Speaking of weekly formats, you know, every, a lot of our listeners and a lot of people around the world that are entrenched in this DraftKings and FanDuel, uh, you know. Illegal, controversy? yeah, controversy, legalization, legal, non-legal thing going on. Um, and people have been asking me, and, and they've asked you, Kev, a couple times, what, yeah. our, what our take on this is, especially because we cover a sport that is an involvement in, in the, the DraftKings format. Um, Kev, do you, what, what's, your, what's your opinion on what's going on with this, this news about the, the cancelization or making it illegal. Yeah, uh, for those that don't know, the, the New York uh, District Attorney, not the District Attorney, higher than that, Attorney General, there we go, yeah. um, is claiming that, uh, well, for those, we'll start at the beginning. For those that don't know, online betting is illegal in the U.S. Um, and so they're now saying that DraftKings is not a game of skill, which is the defining line on why fantasy earnings are not counted as gambling money and therefore legal. Uh, and so they're saying that with this kind of setup for daily fantasy, that it's not a game of skill, that it is indeed gambling. You're putting money down and then winning it based on the performance of players that you don't have control of. Then obviously the counter argument to that is you have control over which players you put into your team and therefore it's skill-based. Uh, which side I'm on, I will say I'm tired of their commercials, first off. So wouldn't hate that if it was gone away, but I do I I don't think it is technically gambling by that definition. There is still skill involved. You see the same people tending to win, the same people kind of near the top of the charts. Um, hopefully Toggle will pay me for this plug. But like in their perfect eleven game, which is a weekly game, mm-hmm. uh, you tend to see people, and a lot of times it's people that we either work with or know in the fantasy industry that are coming near the top of that. And I think stuff like that is evidence of the fact that there is skill involved. And if the legal definition involves whether it's skill-based or luck-based, I think there is still an element of skill-based to it, at least enough that it shouldn't be overturned. Much like in American football, the ruling on the field is that it's legal. And Mm -hmm. I don't think there's been enough. I don't think they've seen a replay where they can technically say that, no, it's not. The best they can say is maybe not, and for that reason, I think it should be allowed to continue. But I think the punishment should be they can only have like an eighteenth of their airtime for commercials because it's seriously infuriating. Yeah, I mean their business model is structured in a way that they they basically are duking it out like Alexander Hamilton, you know, you know Burr style. <laughs> Aaron <They're>, Burr. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I was gonna almost said Raymond Burr, and I was like, wait. That's, <laughs> Everybody loves Raymond. Yeah, that's completely not right. That's like a murder mystery show that my grandmother would watch. But their business models are designed to basically eliminate the other. That's why you see them on TV all the time, and all you hear is Fanduel this, Fanduel that. And I I deposited twelve dollars, and I'm up four hundred and one dollars. Those guys, um, they they want it. They want your money. Uh, I I was listening to the radio today, and I heard some interesting facts on. The, the daily fantasy sports. I'm just going to drop them with everybody. Only be, This is covering all sports for people who are taking the daily fantasy world. Uh, 90% of all money won is won by the top, is won by the same 11% of players. Wow. That's 90% of, say they give away $75 million a week, as they proclaim to do on TV, 11% of the people who actually partake in these comp- competitions win. Mm. That just yeah. that just goes to show you that there's an a lucky there's a, like a lucky eleven percent that are winning this the predominant amount of money. The other fact that the other fact that is uh, the the average wager is just over six dollars six dollars and twenty something cents I believe because it, mm. even though you can't wager that it's just what the average is. The average winning for people who wager is twenty two dollars. So the when you win, you have you win twenty two dollars is what I'm saying. It's yeah. not you win every time. It's twenty dollars, but the people who are wagering are 
gambling $6 every time. But when you win, you win the on average of $22. So the the congruence of numbers there leads me to believe that they're – the other thing I heard, I'll get to it in a second, is the business model that especially DraftKings and FanDuel are running is um, DraftKings was given an allotment of money from – I believe it was the NFL. They were given $50 million to be their sponsor or whatever, to do money on TV or whatever. Uh, they also have to repay $150 million in three years to that organization. I can't remember if it's the NFL or another organization, so I'm kind of being kind of sidetracked here because I'm trying to think of what it was and I can't remember, so I apologize. <laughs> yeah. But basically, they're, they're giving money to lose money is what they're, they're doing. Uh, I don't know if anybody understands modern flow economics, but losing $100 million of anything is bad. Um, yeah. But yeah. I, I'm on the side that I'm also I also live in New Jersey, so I'm on the side that it really isn't going to matter because I have a state and except for the the one senator who is completely against it, but we have a governor in place who is completely for uh, legalization of sports gambling. So any way this turns out, I believe it's going to be, okay. be it's going to be in favor of me anyway. We already have you know casinos in New Jersey, especially in Atlantic, mostly in Atlantic City. Right. Um, and there are surrounding states that do allow, you know, sports gambling. I believe Delaware actually allows sports gambling now. So Delaware is a great place to live if you don't like a whole bunch of taxes or laws getting in your way. Yeah, if you ride a bicycle and don't want to yeah. go go across the state lines. Yeah, every, I lived every, there for a few years. It was a good every, time. Every month. Hey, we're in Delaware. Yeah, yeah. Wilmington. It was a good time. Yeah, but my take on the whole thing is it's really not gambling. Is it fun to say that it's gambling? Sure, because you're risking money, but you have a skill behind it. It's not like you're going out and saying, yeah, my team is better than Y team, and I bet you $5. Right. You're, pick, you're picking a different set of guys than any other player. You don't get to see the stats. You don't get to see who, you're, who the other team you're playing is picking. Well, except it, for the insiders. That's a whole different legal battle. <laughs> yeah, well, they're, they're part of the 11% of, that win the 90% of the money. Yeah. Um, from my perspective, it's not gambling. Um, I don't want it to go away. Um, it'd be like it's it's it'd be like when trapper keepers went out. You know, nobody uses trapper keepers anymore. They were so dope. You could like zip up all your everybody stuff, so it could a, just be a mess inside. Yeah, it'd be like pencil cases great. and everything. They had like the pencil trapper. Like everything is in one little friggin' yeah. It was super container. convenient. And then they're gonna t- and then they're gonna be like, oh, it's not cool to have trapper keepers anymore. Okay, fine, we'll take them away. Stupid. Yeah, it's pretty rude. Every what am I supposed to do? Carry around loose leaf? Like some yeah, kind of pleb? Seriously? I want so one of those, those marble notepads with the black and white on the cover. <laughs> yeah, right? What a <laughs> composition notebook. Yeah, Com- that you can't even rip the pages out of. You ever try to rip the page out of this thing? They're all rip- jagged and horrible. No, you rip one page out, the whole the whole binding comes out. What what ate, what troglodyte made that friggin' composition <laughs> pad? Yeah. An absolutely good point. Uh one last thing on the DraftKings stuff. I know that we're arguing whether it's gambling or not. But whether it's gambling or not, never gamble anything you can't afford to lose. Absolutely, Kevin. That's that's just a pretty good go-to. Straight so, from the straight from the realms of good thought by the FPL roundtable. Yep, from the mouths of babes. Not that we're young, but that we're super attractive. As I drink, um, be- as I drink beer, talk on my cell phone, and do a podcast. Yeah, hey man, that's, that's what we do here. That's why. We get paid the slim bucks. All right. Oh, oh, oh wait, we get. Oh, we get paid. Ah, uh, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. A <laughs> little bit of wallet lining. That's that's the yeah. best way to quantify it's, it. As long as it's, it's as long as it's enough for one song. You yep. get my, you get my drift. You get my drift. <laughs> Everyone at home, you get my drift. That's what I'm saying. Fair enough. All right. Well, uh, we're you know we rambled for quite some time, and we're we're glad we were able to bring you a thing in a week devoid of football and hope. Uh, so I guess just uh, tell the folks where they can find you. Uh, as always, you can find me at soccer.rasball.com or if you're on the social media maker then known as Twitter, it's a friendship combiner and I'm at Smokey underscore Loogie. That's L-O-O-G-Y. Yeah, and I'm at Kavroff on Twitter. So if you'd like to continue talking about any of the things we've discussed during this episode, be free to hit me up, obviously. Hit up Rob as well, at Smokey underscore Lugie, as he just mentioned. Uh, I'm not going to plug all my fantasy stuff because it's not happening this week anyway. So, Oh, wait. Oh, wait, Kev. We never talked. We're not doing any transfer moves, by the way. Oh, don't yeah. Just, don't do that. 
Yeah, if you stayed, <laughs> if, if you stuck around for for this whole minutes, thing through the outro, wait, yeah. wait till wait till this time next week. I know you. you we just wasted forty five minutes of your life. But guess what? <laughs> guess what? You're getting a Christmas card from Kevrov and Smokey underscore Lugie that says we love you and appreciate you. Yeah, but you have to email us your address, which isn't creepy at all. <laughs> No, we'll just send you a spam email saying we're stuck in Africa and we need 45,000 pounds of lint. But if you send it to us, then we'll give you 45 million. 45 so it's, million. Yeah, it's a return, yeah, and extra zeros and stuff. That's always good stuff. But yeah, at Kevroff on Twitter, he's at Smokey Lugie on Twitter. Come back next week, Thursday morning. More drinks, more fantasy advice. We'll catch you next time. Peace.